Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. DCG's Barry Silbert responds to concerns about his companies amid explosive accusations from Gemini co-founder Cameron Winklevoss. We'll bring you the latest in this ongoing saga and GameFi. We've heard all about it. What the hell is it and why should you care? We'll discuss the current situation and the future of Web3 Gaming with co-founder of the popular game Alien Worlds. Welcome back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. I'm Jeremy Varlow. Luke Franks is back with me. How you doing, Luke? I'm good, Jeremy. Good to be back. Uh, it's January. It's a bear market. It's tough times, but it's all fine. We're pulling through. It's all good. Mate, it's a new year. I expect big things from the space. Let's jump into the show. Before we do that, let's get into the latest price action. Bitcoin holding steady despite the ongoing DCG drama. It is currently trading around $17,300, which is pretty much unchanged from 24 hours ago as volume remains low. Luke, what's going on over at Ethereum? Uh, yeah, Ether is also pretty subdued right now. Uh, it's down slightly, but continues to hold firmly above $1,300. And given the wider environment, that's uh, probably good news. Certainly so. Let's uh, let's jump into our top stories. We've got a great interview with Sarah McKenna about GameFi coming shortly, but we would be doing you an injustice if we didn't talk about DCG. We have been covering the ongoing DCG, Genesis, and Gemini saga on the show extensively and will continue to do so. If you watched yesterday's show, you will know that Cameron Winklevoss, co-founder of crypto exchange Gemini, had posted an explosive letter on Twitter. This was his way of updating the users of Gemini's EARN program. The program was suspended when Gemini's partner, crypto lending company Genesis, halted redemptions, effectively locking Gemini EARN users' money. So we know that's confusing, and bear with us. Genesis and Gemini are two different, separate companies, but also former partners. Genesis is a subsidiary of Digital Currency Group, or DCG, where Barry Silbert is the chief executive. Now, Cameron Winklevoss of Gemini believes the buck for what's happening at Genesis stops with Barry Silbert. Winklevoss openly accused Silbert, DCG, and Genesis of defrauding Gemini Earn users. Winklevoss also called for Silbert to be ousted. Okay, Luke, that's the background to this ongoing saga that keeps delivering new twists all the time. What's the latest uh, on your end? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there, isn't there? It's a tough one to follow. There's so many companies uh, involved, and that's kind of why it matters so much. So the latest is that Gemini has informed Earn users uh, that it's shutting down the program. Some $900 million of Gemini Earn funds are trapped at Genesis. Uh, Gemini is terminating its agreement with Genesis, 
with the hope that this will force Genesis to return the assets. And meanwhile, we've seen a direct and indirect response to that Winklevoss letter. The official Twitter account of DCG called it, quote, malicious, fake, and defamatory attacks. This is another desperate and unconstructive publicity stunt from Cameron Winklevoss to defect blame from himself and Gemini, who are solely responsible for operating Gemini Earn and marketing the program to its customers. For his part, Barry Silbert posted a letter to shareholders too. He addressed what he calls, uh, quote, completely baseless and false rumors around the situation at DCG and its relationship with its subsidiary, Genesis, uh, with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, of course. He also played down the nature of loans between DCG and Genesis, uh, saying they were always, quote, at arm's length and at prevailing market rates. Uh, Silbert didn't respond directly to Winklevoss's letter, though. So we got some answers, but are left with many more questions, Jeremy. Yeah, that is certainly the case. One of my questions is why these companies have such similar names, but I'm just going to digress <laughs> on that point. It makes it very difficult for us to try and report on it and communicate that to you. But uh, like I said, I digress. One more company we're following closely, of course, is Binance. Interestingly, they've recently admitted to some past mistakes. What's going on there, Luke? What's the context? Yeah, I mean, uh, Netflix producers are going to have enough content for, for years to come, aren't they, with all this stuff going on when the documentaries finally come out. Um, but here's the Binance story. So uh, Binance uh, has confirmed to Bloomberg that past mistakes that led to insufficient collateral for its uh, stablecoin here. So according to an analysis compiled by Chain Argos, uh, there were times when as much as $1 billion were missing in collateral for the stablecoin Binance Peg BUSD. Uh, one Binance Peg BUSD is meant to represent one US dollar backed by the reserves of another stablecoin, BUSD, at all times. Uh, but that wasn't always the case, it seems. The issues with the collateral occurred between 2020 and 2021. A Binance spokesperson told Bloomberg the issues have now been resolved. Oh boy, stablecoins and collateral and backing. It's a tale as old as time in this space. <laughs> Listen, I know you've got another uh, Binance-related update. What you got? Yeah, it keeps coming. So uh, bankrupt, a crypto lender, Voyager Digital, of course, uh, has received initial approval to sell its assets to Binance US. The court approval is conditional on a national security review. Uh, the Binance transaction includes a $20 million cash payment and an agreement to transfer Voyager's customers to Binance US's crypto exchange. Customers would then be able to make withdrawals for the first time since July. So potentially some good news there, but nothing final just as of yet. Listen, we'll take any good news that we can these days, Luke. These days, Luke, that's for sure. Uh, as we've said on the show in the past, these issues continue to stem from the C5 world and C5 failures. But there is so, so much positive news and building going on in the space. And one thing I'm super excited about in the blockchain applications is for the gaming world. With that, let's bring in our guest. Sarah McKenna is co-founder of Web3 Game Alien Worlds. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto, Sarah. Hi, guys. It's great to be here. Great to have you. I'll be back in a bit to wrap the show with our key takeaways. Luke, Sarah, you now have the floor. Yeah, great to have you on, Sarah. So um, I guess first thing here is is your kind of uh, reaction. How are you thinking about the space after all this news, the FTX collapse and everything that we've seen going on? Uh, for Web3 Gaming, uh, what, what does that world look like? Because it's, it's interesting that people play games all year round, regardless of the market conditions. So uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, um, I, firstly, Luke, great to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. And, you know, all of that news 
is kind of par for the course right now, isn't it? You know, we've in the middle of this crypto liquidity sort of crisis and, and one um, institution after another being affected by the contagion. Um, but as you say, one of the interesting things is that certain applications and, and blockchain gaming in particular have been pretty resilient. My project Alien Worlds, we haven't really seen um, a drop off in, in player numbers. Um, we're continuing to build. So it's of course, I'm really unfortunate for the industry. Um, and I think that it it kind of is indicative of the fact that this is still a maturing industry, right? Um, it's one that's seen a lot of technical development in the last decade, um, but also so many new actors coming into the space and also so much money coming into the space, right? And so what that's resulted in is, you know, projects growing quickly or, you know, there being insufficient corporate governance um, of companies. Um, and that's something that I think with each successive bear market that we see and then, you know, a recovery that happens afterwards, I think we do see the industry getting better and better. So, you know, our project did very well in the last bull run. That's when we kind of launched. That's when a lot of um, blockchain gaming projects were coming to market and we were one of them. And, and then we became the largest decentralized application in history. Actually, we broke many um, sort of thresholds in terms of user numbers and so on. Um, and I think what we saw at that time was that the market was looking for projects with utility. And that in itself was better than what had preceded it, right? Which were projects that kind of didn't really have very much utility. They had a token, they had a team, uh, they maybe had a bit of a community, um, but there wasn't really much that you could do with that application or if, if indeed there even was an application, sometimes it was just a token. Um, so in the last bull run, I think we at least saw that there was a desire to see utility um, and that, you know, one of the reasons I think why we were successful and sort of other projects of our vintage um, were was because, you know, we clearly had um, a game that you could play, you know, that was a prerequisite to coming to market. And I think that what we're seeing now is a further maturing of the industry where I think what's being expected is greater and greater utility, greater depth of utility, where it's not just enough, you know, to be able to do some things, you're going to like more and more applications need to be um, sophisticated. Um, and then of course, you know, when it, that's, that, that's, you know, how the, the landscape for decentralized applications, like the one that I run, but with respect to more like companies or CFI, um, I think governance is really the story here, you know, where there has just been lack of transparency, lack of sufficient governance. You know, you have founders being able to front run, you have like entities giving preferential treatment to each other with Alameda getting preferential um, clearance of orders on FTX. You know, this is the type of thing that just shouldn't really be happening, right? And it should um, have been better researched and we should as an industry have known about that, like even the insufficient collateralization behind FTX. Apparently nobody was even looking at the, you know, the wallets. Everybody assumed there was a ton of stuff in cold storage and, and there just wasn't. So, you know, I do actually think that although when these things happen, it's sad and, and embarrassing and will have an impact, you know, on the next six to 12 months. Um, I also think that it's just what happens in an industry that's as young as we are and that has seen such rapid growth and 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 i think these problems you know are being resolved successively with e with each cycle yeah it's a, it's a good overview and uh yeah it's it's unfortunate but uh, everyone's aware of it and aware of um you know this that has happened now and we'll talk about regulation a, a little bit in a second and, and what kind of comes next but um yeah let's dive into kind of the 
the Web3 gaming ecosystem because it kind of sits uh, related but parallel to, to a lot of the rest of the industry. Uh, and there's all these words that get kind of thrown together, right? So we talk about metaverse all the time. That's obviously the, the word that has huge awareness. Web3 gaming, as I say, kind of sits uh, within it, connected but also separate. People talk about game and play to earn gaming. And it can get quite confusing. And, and mm. you know, I've, I've seen you do some um, amazing uh, talks where you explain these terms really interesting. So uh, really uh, well as well. So there's a slide we've got here, and uh, forgive me, loyal Real Vision uh, watchers, for defining the metaverse again. I feel like it's what everyone's been doing for the last 18 months, but it's, it's a good place to start because then we can see where gaming fits into this bigger picture. So, um, Sarah, maybe you could just explain to us your definition of the metaverse, and then we'll dive into the Web3 gaming ecosystem next. Sure. So a metaverse is a, is a digital space um, where people can come together and interact directly with each other peer to peer within a single immersive environment. Um, and so, yeah, you can take each of those parts of the definition in turn. It's digital as opposed to being physical. I think that's fairly intuitive. Peer to peer. This is um, what's important about a metaverse is that you're directly interacting with people. So if the metaverse has been built out in AR, AR or VR, what that means is that you are actually co-located in a space, right? So that if you turn and look at somebody else in the space, you can interact with them. Um, but in a, in a, in metaverses that don't have that visual representation, it means that the actors, the people are able to interact directly and, and that they're not having to go through an intermediary, a company that through a proprietary position in the system is able to intermediate the actions of the various players or people in that in that space. So it's literally a space in which people are equal, essentially on the same footing, um, which is why blockchain construction is really helpful for that for that component of the definition, um, because that's what blockchains do. They they give people an identity from which to be able to transact and they prescribe the terms of those transactions and then they make it auditable and immutable. So all of that, you know, the, the, re the reason why we use decentralized blockchains is precisely to provide uh, trustless peer-to-peer -peer interaction. Um, and then the single environment, you know, so that's, you know, that, that there's a persistent place. There's this concept of it being um, a place. So for some people, um, land, is is definitional to a metaverse because there's then that is the concept of it, it being grounded in an environment where you go it's a persistent place where people can go i think the use of the term land is not particularly standardized anyway like different projects use that term in different ways um but i think it's gesturing towards the fact that we are expecting the metaverse to be a place where we can go um but that place doesn't i i don't think has to be a place that you put a headset on to go to right it can just be a community that you're persistently involved in and and a, an economic basis upon which you are interacting with each other or um, or a gaming environment that, that you're all interacting with. So I don't think the place has to be, it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be incredibly literal, um, but there does need to be a sense of home, a sense where you're going somewhere and you're interacting with people there. Yeah, yeah, and we'll um, kind of link this to to Alien Worlds in, in just a second and talk more more about that uh, project, your project, um, in in a second. But we're, we're talking here as well about decentralized worlds. So you know, outside of uh, Meta and Roblox and Fortnite, these are all amazing virtual world experiences where maybe there is trading of virtual assets, but all the value really there is accruing to the centralized player, the the Meta, the Roblox Corporation, whoever it is, and the value is is generally accruing uh, with um, those companies. So we're, we're diving deeper now into this decentralized 
focused um, aspect of stuff. So uh, let's look at the next slide. And um, we've kind of talked about what, uh, you know, your definition of a metaverse there is. Um, and gaming being then on the kind of application layer with, within this, alongside some other strands, some other kind of verticals, things that happen in a shared social space uh, in this way. So maybe you could talk through some of these and, and, and kind of uh, how gaming fits into, into this picture. Yeah, so once you have, you know, a single space that people are coming to, they're able to interact directly peer to peer in that place, and there's a sense of it being immersive that is persistent, it's something of value to them, then a lot of activity arises, right? Um, gaming activity has been the sort of first big breakout thing that people are doing in the metaverse. Um, and I would say related to that is like the social element of that gaming. So the fact that people are coming together playing games, but um, because they, they, they all own that environment together through the tokens that describe that metaverse, there's a strong social element to that gaming. Um, but other things have been happening in the metaverse too. So commerce and work, you know, I, I think that um, we've heard a little bit about um, kind of the metaverse being a place where a lot of creation is happening, but that creation isn't just artistic creation, although that's also really important and valuable. It's also like commercial creativity, entrepreneurialism. Um, we've seen that in a number of gaming environments, blockchain gaming environments. It's happened in Alien Worlds pretty decisively, especially when we first launched. There was an outpouring of people creating their own NFTs, selling them to each other, airdropping them to each other, selling services to each other. An entire business was created within Alien Worlds by a company that provides data to um, to people in the metaverse so that then they can profile users to do NFT drops. Um, that's called Alien Worlds Butler. And that's like a whole business, right? That, that just operates within this metaverse. So that's the type of thing that happens in a metaverse because of these features that we talked about on the previous page where it's decentralized, it's peer-to-peer. -peer. You know, people are incentivized to take this kind of commercial position um, because they're co-owners of the space and, and they stand to gain from it. Um, and then of course, art, creativity, um, esports really important um, component to, to the gaming activity that we're seeing. So it's a very natural extension of gaming in a metaverse is teams, um, teams coming together to play and then collectively managing the proceeds of that through through DAOs. And that's something we can talk about. Yeah, yeah, very cool. It's uh, yeah, these interesting strands that and the incentives are there when people own part of that system, which perhaps less so in say Meta Horizons, their virtual world there, you know, it's a content platform and people have have fun there, but they, they don't own a stake in it. So it's it's kind of like people are working for free there, whereas in these ecosystems, uh, people are accruing value and, and that kind of has this huge network effect to, to, to incentivize people to, to go and work there and, and um, create commerce and, and uh, create other things that they can sell there. And, and maybe you could talk briefly about the importance of, of, of exactly that why um, owning uh, assets outright as an NFT in a, in a decentralized um, environment is so important. If, if you own something um, yourself, you tend to care more about it, care more about the value of it and want to um, get involved more, right? Maybe you could just um, touch on that. Yeah, so a lot of the sort of self-organization or, or communities kind of um, organically organizing themselves. Um, we've seen that in, in Alien Worlds where they've organized to take over planets. These planets are our DAOs, um, but also just organizing into other types of communities, running their, having their own websites, paying someone to create a website for them. Um, this is the type of thing that happens um, as, as you know, we've been talking about because people are co-owners of the system, right? So, and they're willing to take risk then in order to set something up, to create something you know, along with people that they've met in that community um, to then create something of value, whether it's a Twitch stream, whether it's even just, you know, collectively owning a Twitter account and running that and communicating with each other. And I think, you know, that's like a really interesting 
um, thing that we're seeing in Web3 that I think is a little bit different from Web2, which is where, you know, in Web2, you do have some people able to monetize a position out of that. And those are like influencers, right? The very, very best influencers can just about eke out a living. And some of them even, you know, do really well out of their position. But it's such a grind to get there. And it's so high risk. I mean, how many people put in hours and hours trying to become a successful influencer and don't. Whereas what happens in the metaverse, because you can own any amount of the token, like small, larger, that makes the sort of, you can kind of graduate your involvement and it makes sense then to do smaller things. Like maybe you just have a Twitch stream or, you know, you just do a few shows on that Twitch stream. You don't necessarily have to become really successful and, a, and an influencer that actually um, has a big following in order to still make your efforts worthwhile. And that's because the the deck isn't stacked against you, right? So in web two, it's like only if you're a breakout success as an individual person, can you actually have a position that like values your own time. Whereas I think in web three systems where um, everyone's collectively co-owning those tokens to varying degrees, smaller levels of involvement still make sense and are still really enjoyable and fun um, without necessarily having to sort of become like really successful within that context although that's you know you can also do that especially um by coming together as communities so um yeah the, the sort of convergence of of people taking entrepreneurial positions but also playing and collectively playing is something that we've seen um and i think that that also speaks to the overall like place that the industry is in you know we are still working more and more on making more fun games right so i don't think anyone thinks that the the standard of games that exist in web3 gaming right now or blockchain gaming is like where we want to end up in the promised land it's just that this industry has only been around for a few years and so we've been solving a lot of blockchain problems and then you know raising money and all the different things that you have to do in order to get to the point where you're creating the product that you really want to build but in the interim like whilst we've been iterating more and more fun actual you know products i think the fact that the community still finds so much value in it and then still is able to come together um, to do do really interesting and creative things, it, you know, is indicative of the structural um, features of these decentralized applications that respect smaller people's time and, and their efforts um, by design. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll dive into some specific examples with Alien Worlds in just a second. We're, we're getting to there and um, uh, yeah, and, and some stats as well, because this is this is no small feat. These, these stats uh, of Alien Worlds are Alien Worlds are absolutely huge. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Let's just quickly touch on the, on the play to earn element. And you mentioned it there. And the biggest criticism uh, that comes uh, generally is that people uh, maybe say a lot of the games uh, have their incentives slightly wrong and that they might not be fun first. People are kind of uh, going to, to earn money um, and then it's more like work than a game. And then maybe in a bear market, some of those other games uh, don't survive because the incentives weren't right. So how, how do you think about that? It's obviously not the case um, for Alien World. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear your view on what's happening there. Um, in terms of fun and leisure and, and play to earn. Yeah, I think the main thing there is, um, at least in our case, you know, we absolutely aspire to build 
more and more fun games and better and better games. Um, and we are doing that. So the release, we've just released um, our six competitive planet DAOs. Um, what that means is that we've got these six planets, each of which is a DAO. They're competing with each other for dominance within the metaverse. And the DAO itself is playing to earn. So um, as a DAO becomes, as one of the planets becomes more dominant, it, it gets more and more of the rewards. And then that community gets to decide how those get spent um, through the DAO smart contracts. So that's really exciting. That's the first time in history that DAOs have been put into competition with each other within a single environment. And so much interesting stuff comes out of that. You get people, um, uh, you know, th that's a really nice construct for all of the stuff that we've been talking about, people being entrepreneurial, being creative, taking, you know, um, their ideas forward, coming up with social media, NFTs, all, you know, lots of different activity that's sort of providing a structure for them to do that. Um, and it also, I think, interestingly, you start to be able to see how people are behaving within a metaverse environment through that. So um, when you have a lot of people in a single environment competing against each other, um, and each of these DAOs also has a token, what you're, you're able then over time to start to get some discovery where, you know, the same way that Google can um, understand more about somebody because of like their search history, for example, um, whilst the difference is in the metaverse that you own your own data and you, I mean, everything's public. So in a sense, you own it, right? You're owning your, your um, interactions in the metaverse and your account. Um, but it is then possible to start to see and to, and to begin to have um, products and services that you're directly offering to certain people because you've been able to see, or at least what that account has done over time, right? So over time on a planet, say, I'm someone who um, helps to update the lore of that planet or the lore of the metaverse through the, the, can the lore canonization process that happens on that planet. Um, I then get an NFT that says that I am the scribe for that planet or have been for a certain period of time. And then that confers certain things on me, right? So, and, and then that's also something that sits in my account and then somebody else is able to say, oh, look, that's someone who's interested in lore versus someone else who might be more interested in technology or other things. So this becomes a way for people to um, accrue reputation within a system. And then that becomes a fairly powerful means for others within the system to sell things of, of value to them or to, you know, try and involve that person in a project that might be coming up. So um, by, by creating better and better products over time, our DAOs is an example of that, we actually begin to get closer to the promise that we've always intended, which is really rich experiences that we create as the founders of the project, but also that other people are creating um, in these decentralized metaverses. And then the network effects that start to happen when you've got numerous um, sort of centers within a single system that are producing content, producing games, but also producing tokens and the token flows that indicate the who the person is and what they're interested in this then becomes uh, a really rich environment for all kinds of of things um, including for the gamers themselves then to you know create their own games or to sell into so so yeah we're definitely at an early iteration of what blockchain gaming is um, i think it's becoming better over time but it's becoming better both because the original founders of these projects are building out the games and because the communities or other companies within those metaverses are also like co-building that out at the same time. So you get more rapid development. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Well, um, let's dive in specifically to Alien Worlds then, because uh, we'd love to hear a bit about the, the lore of the game. We've got some gameplay footage. Maybe you could uh, talk us uh, through uh, some of this and just explain to people if they've, if they've not experienced it, 
uh, what is the game and uh, yeah, what, what's, what's kind of the overall objectives and the different ways people can play as well. Yeah, so Alien Worlds is an NFT and DAO metaverse. So you use NFTs to mine for the fungible token Trillium on one of these six planets that I mentioned, and each of the planets is itself a DAO. Um, and the DAO, the, the planet collectively manages its treasury. So as the planet gets bigger, um, gets more strategically important, and that's a function of what its community is doing in the metaverse, then that planet gets more rewards from the game reward system. So it's playing to earn as a team and also playing to earn individually through um, using NFTs to mine on these six planets. So we have utility NFTs. I think this is a really important um, thing to, to sort of notice about how blockchain games are using NFTs, completely different from the kind of meme NFTs or just sort of purely community NFTs that have no utility value um, in blockchain games like Alien Worlds. The NFTs are read by our gaming smart contracts and they they're like game cards, they let you do certain things. Um, and this is why people then wanna earn them. They also trade them, sell them, buy them in order then to advance a certain strategy. So our NFTs, for example, have a much lower dollar amount than a CryptoPunks or an Apes, um, but uh, far more owners and, and more transacted because people are actually looking for them as part of their gameplay. So using uh, NFTs to mine on the six planets and then voting and accruing value to those DAOs and competing um, against the other DAOs within this metaverse. And the, the lore is that um, humans left Earth, um, they went through a wormhole, and as part of that process, they were sort of endowed with Trillium, this thing of value, our fungible token, uh, and then they began to populate these planets. Um, and everything is tokenized in this new metaverse, right? So um, the tools that you need, the accounts that you have, the tokens that you need, um, and the land itself um, is all tokenized. And, um, and then these tokens become you know, instruments within the system that people themselves can pick up and use, right? So we initially produced many of them, but they get used in different ways in the metaverse. Um, some of our community have competitions with them. There's burning competitions. So some of our NFTs are really abundant, right? So people have now, by this point, they've earned millions of them. Um, and so they're, they're really cheap. And so the community has a great time, you know, having different events where you have to use a lot of them in order to gain entrance or to burn them and so on. So, um, yeah, I think the, the sort of idea behind tokenizing so many of the components of the metaverse is that then those become elements that can get used in different ways, even beyond the, the ways that we've kind of created specific games for. Yeah, I think going down the wormhole to uh, is a good analogy here to experience it. It's a whole ecosystem that's living and breathing kind of on its own, but um, you know, lots of people may not be aware of it if they haven't played it themselves. But it's um, it's it's a huge deal, and maybe you could give us some top line stats on stuff as well. I, I was even looking on Zap Radar, and I think there's been yeah. 13 million transactions uh, between 200,000 active uh, wallets in just the last 24 hours. Like this is, yeah. this is is crazy, and it's cool to see that this many users are engaged. So yeah, I'd love to hear a few a few stats maybe that you could uh, tell us about. Yeah, and I think that that really is is the story here, is like a large application. So um, we're currently the largest application in the world, um, decentralized applications. You can see that on DAP Radar. Um, and we also were the first application, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, to exceed certain thresholds, like the first DAP ever to exceed 50,000 and 100,000 users and so on. And at that time, and, and now we have like eight and a half million lifetime accounts that have been, that have been playing the game. Um, and at that time, you know, people didn't even know necessarily that dApps could kind of handle that type of concurrent volume, you know. Um, the blockchains just hadn't seen that type of transactional volume before. Um, so, yeah, I think we definitely proved that that was, that was possible. Um, and we're actually constructing 
transaction on three chains on WAX, the Binance Smart Chain and our token is also on Ethereum. Um, so we've had to have inter-blockchain bridging technology um, right from the very beginning um, and all of that is decentralized. So yeah, it was pretty big technical feat um, to get all of that like actually functioning and then being able to construct more and more sophisticated gameplay on chain. I think that's one of the things that um, is relatively notable about our project is that all of that gameplay is actually happening on chain. So when you do a mine or you send um, a spaceship on a mission or you vote on one of the DAOs or you run yourself to be a custodian on one of the DAOs or you stake tokens into one of the DAOs, you can then go onto a block explorer and see that, that you did that, right? And um, that's really cool. I think that it's amazing that we have chains that um, have the smart contract technology to be able to, to write that type of gaming logic right onto the chain. That doesn't necessarily mean that we will always continue to build all of our gaming logic on chain because it's quite expensive and it's not always like incredibly necessary, but we just had, we were, we were definitely purists at the beginning and we thought everything had to go on chain. So we did, and um, we've proven a lot through having done that. And uh, it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, super impressive. So uh, yeah, thank you so much, Sarah, for telling us uh, all about Alien Worlds and um, uh, yeah, encourage people to check it out for sure. Uh, Jeremy, I think we've got some viewer questions we're, we're going to go to now. So uh, let's have a look at those. We certainly do. It's almost time for viewer questions, but really quickly before that, for those of us watching on the Real Vision website, thank you for that. If you haven't signed up there yet, check it out at realvision.com slash crypto. It's the best way to get early access to Real Vision crypto content. If you're watching on YouTube, as always, please like and subscribe, hit that notification bell so you never miss when we go live. Uh, we're going to jump into some viewer questions here for Sarah. We have Falcor on YouTube asking if there are 3D gameplay in, uh, in the plans for Alien Worlds once political, real estate, and economics are established. Um, so <clears throat> I think that what we're looking at is... Um, so we're a decentralized game, right? So what that means is that we build certain things, we build the smart contracts and we build a user interface, but we're also really concerned to build components that the community itself can use and to create the platform that the community can then extend, right? And build their own games and so on from. So I think that um, it's not core to our strategy right now to be building out that type of um, graphical layer um in in that way i think actually what we're more focused on is creating narrative components that are in themselves sort of fungible and can be used by the community so what i mean by that is like characters as nfts or um lore components as nfts or a lore canonization process that's decentralized um and allowing then the community to have a creative environment that that is co-owned by us and them um and and then further extending the capabilities of the DAOs. So um, the DAOs then being able to um, run more of their own games, um, having more latitude over what they do, an, an autonomy roadmap for the DAOs. These are things that are really core. We also have a fighting game um, in our roadmap. There has actually been a community created um, player versus player game that, that was incredibly gratifying to see. So a, a community development team created a, a fighting game using our NFTs. Um, and, and we're going to be doing the same and then creating an arena in which both our fighting games, but also the community created fighting games are sort of displayed so that users can can kind of like go between the arenas and this is i think probably more more core than for us is figuring out ways that we can platform community building right so rather than 
like we're we're not the focus actually we've created certain foundational um pieces to the metaverse but we're more interested in figuring out ways of creating the components that the, the community can take forward in a decentralized way and how does that actually work in in real life that's um, a big challenge i love that i love the just that last part that you said there that you've built the foundational components of it but you're allowing the community and the actual players to create you know the game that they want to see i've got just a kind of piggybacking off that 3d question um you know you guys being at the top of uh the web3 gaming space you know i'm a playstation user myself i you know i know that you know my friends are interested in you know when is blockchain gaming going to be coming to those platforms playstation mm -hmm. and xbox i don't know if you know you've had any of these conversations if you you know have a timeline on when that might be the case that's a very interesting question distribution channels for blockchain gaming have um have have not really been available in many ways, right? So right. Um, you know we can't even get onto necessarily the app store, um, and that has I think led actually that constraint has led to us just finding direct routes to to reach consumers, right? Um, I think that there's a process to go through for the gaming industry, the Web two gaming industry, to figure out where it stands. Um, in terms of blockchain gaming and you know thus far has been you know relatively negative um so yeah uh, we don't have plans right now um to become a console game um because we're just not hanging around to be throttled by third parties that's kind of how we do we just find direct ways to to do it um but i hope you know that it, I, we would love to i mean it's it's not something that we wouldn't like to do it's just not something that's been particularly available Fair enough. That's purely a selfish question because I've tried to run some of these games on my MacBook Pro and they just, they chug along. So there might be yeah. a gaming laptop in my future, uh, you know, in this year. Another question that we have for you coming from Gladiator Conan on the Real Vision Discord. How are you guys viewing So Rare? And if you don't know what So Rare is, it is a, a, a digital collectible game for fantasy sports where you can set a lineup based on you basically collect these digital trading cards and you can set a lineup uh, to play fantasy sports against your friends. I don't know if either of you are familiar with this, if you have any uh, insight on that. Yeah, I think Sower is a great, great project. You know, one of the things that they managed to do was to um, create NFTs that had a lot of value, but that still had something that you could do with them, you know, and that was a pretty important um, thing to crack because up until then a lot of the nfts that were reaching those types of dollar values were like purely social in their in their value um so i i like so rare as a project i think that that um that they've managed to to you know the, the dollar value of their nfts exceeds ours for example because um you know people really like these sporting nfts and the particular things that you, they can do with them are, are really compelling for people so i think that's great and um you know at this point in the blockchain gaming space i think like a success for one is a success for all you know we helped people to see that you could have that kind of transactional throughput on a blockchain game that had never been done before and projects like so rare help people to see that you could get you know, really high value NFTs that people's that weren't just purely collectibles um, and where, you know, there was still some like the fantasy team building that you could do with them. So yeah, I think that that's uh, really positive. 
Hey, everyone. We're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Very good point. Luca, any insights on that yourself? Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of things here, isn't it, that we're in the early stage of all of this, and it's very easy to judge it as a, a fully finished product, as if it's been out there for ten years plus in terms of um, you know the whole Web Web three game gaming ecosystem. But we're working a lot of this stuff out, and it's um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a great time to to be involved for sure. You, you're talking about um, you know coming into uh, PlayStation and regular players of games now, and, and there's that. Um, uh, criticism or, or people don't seem to yet understand the the full potential of owning their own digital assets and all of that and trying to on-ramp the next wave of players and you know similarly a, a similar thing happened with the first free-to-play gaming models um, at mm. first there was a bit of resistance there and people didn't didn't like it um so how are you thinking about kind of the adoption um from that sense that and people kind of um understanding this stuff and you know the ease of on-ramps for maybe free to play players from the web two world to, to come into web three uh, do you think that's a big piece of the puzzle that needs to come next yeah for sure onboarding is massive um you know ease of use of wallets ease of setting up wallets i mean that's even improved so much just in the last two three years right um so we absolutely expect and ourselves are working on um like wallet technology that will make onboarding a lot easier um acquiring your crypto to be able to play. This has sometimes been a real obstacle for people, depending on what country they're in, for example, and, and which payment mechanisms are accepted and so on. So there are major um, hurdles. And in fact, I think it's, in a way, it's testament to how much people want to engage with these, these dApps that they actually manage to get through those hurdles, actually, because sometimes those hurdles are pretty significant and even have been in our project. So um, yeah, it's super, super important. and something we take uh, very seriously. Um, you know, it's such a good point around how mobile gaming was like disparaged, frankly, when it first came around um, with, you know, the preceding like PC games and console games saying that they just weren't really games, right? Um, because the graphics were so bad and the gameplay mechanics were just so different from, uh, you know, preceding or other types of games. Like if you're just like on a screen playing Angry Birds, that's a very different type of gaming experience. And yet we have come to accept that. And it, there's nothing that's not not a game. It's just a different type of game, right? Um, so yeah, for sure. And I think that that's a good um, part, like that's a sizable explanation for why there's been, um, you know, resistance to blockchain gaming from the traditional gaming space is just that sort of it feels like different and foreign um, and, and it doesn't feel like a real game. And so you kind of have to expand your horizons a little bit about what that, you know, if people are doing it, they're having fun and they're getting something out of it. So you've got to sort of understand why. Um, but then I do think that there's like something that we have to take responsibility for in blockchain gaming, which is that, um, you know, the narrative I think when it came around was like, NFTs are just going to start to be part of every existing game. But then concurrent with that was this bull run in NFT prices, right? So if I, you know, if I was a, you know, a, a traditional gamer who maybe like, you know, people love the games that they play. They've played them for decades and, and they spend a lot of time in them. So if you're being told this thing that I value so much and that I love is now gonna have a 
something that intermediates my access to it that might go up in value just you know by any multi multipliers and that that might then be an impediment to why I can get to play my beloved game I can see why there was resistance to that so um you know that's also that also speaks to how as each of these cycles comes around and as we build deeper utility into these projects the speculative like highs and lows I you know believe will will become less pronounced, right? So we're not gonna be seeing the kind of hundred X's, but the much lower, you know, swings. And then tokenization doesn't become as scary a thing, right? And, and in fact, it becomes what we all know it to be, which is it really empowering for average users. That then will become, I think, what people are able to see rather than just, you mean I'm not gonna be able to play the game that I love because suddenly the NFT, you know, I've been priced out of the NFT. Yeah, yeah, it's a big discussion and um, yeah, it's well, it's well covered for sure. That one's from uh, Dassault Syndicate on, on YouTube, so thank you for that. Uh, Twinson.eth um, has a question. Do you think uh, L1, Layer 1s matter when it comes to play to earn? Um, how are you thinking about, uh, you talked about different activity on chain, um, how are you think about Layer 1 and Layer 2 and how that all integrates? Yeah, so the first thing is, you know, the 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 protocol that you build on has to be decentralized and and has to work really well um that in itself has been like a major challenge right because the so you know the 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 blockchains where people felt a high degree of confidence about their decentralization like namely ethereum of the smart contract chains uh then became too expensive to transact on right and so then people started to look at other chains but then you could become a fairly sizable project on a chain and you know your strategic relationship with that chain then can become a little bit more difficult right so um it's really important that that dapps are being built on a on a foundation of real decentralization um and yes it matters because it matters that you're able to encode sufficiently sophisticated logic on chain um, and that you're then able to transit that your users are able to transact economically so um you know our the chain that we've that we've built most of our gaming logic on wax um has been that largely although there are some onboarding challenges now um we've also built on bse for example um which has also been good although at times a little bit more technically challenging um, and we haven't attempted to build any game logic on ethereum because you know we just have the token residing there so um but you know i think the the real story uh with layer ones is just kind of like how much better they're getting over time and all of the sort of attendant ability to build side chains and sister chains using the same code base and then using you know the same pool of validators and the wallet technology all of that is becoming much more standardized and much better and so now when we look at how we're going to continue to build out parts of the metaverse and which chains we're looking at um a lot of that is much more standardized and um just much more powerful so it's it's improving a lot over time just in the few years that we've been around that's awesome thank you very much for that uh, sarah i'm going to jump into our key takeaways here sarah we're coming right back to you for yours in just a moment uh but First and foremost, I can't wait to try out the game a little bit later today. I hope that uh, my MacBook will be able to handle that because, as I mentioned, it has not in the past. Uh, but we are still in the early stages of Web3 gaming, uh, creating better and better products over time. You get closer to the promise of really rich experiences first, and then the monetization aspect and network effects then take care of themselves. Uh, blockchain gaming, as Sarah mentioned, has been very resilient in this bear market. Developers continue to build and players continue to adopt and play. And as I mentioned, as gameplay continues to improve and utility continues to grow, the space 
will certainly mature. Uh, Sarah made a very, very good definition of the metaverse earlier in our talk uh, as a digital space to come together and interact directly with each other in an immersive environment. But it does not have to be a place that you go, but rather a community of shared interests. Some may even argue that something like Twitter is its own metaverse in a sense. People are co-owners of that system and work together to create something of value, earn from that, and in turn grow that network. Now, not only gaming exists in the metaverse, but also uh, opportunities for you know commercial interests and work. Commercial creativity is a huge opportunity, and we see with large corporations and organizations looking to the metaverse, like Nike, Adidas, Louis Vuitton, Dolce & Gabbana, they are all kind of flooding into the metaverse as we speak. And uh, you know, I suspe suspect there will be far, far more companies coming that way shortly. Uh, I want to go back to Sarah just very quickly for your key takeaways this afternoon. Yeah, I guess one one addition that I would make to, to your final point there is it's not you know large companies, but also just any average person who has an idea come right. to the metaverse because it's a great place to ch check out that idea to trial it in a liquid active market with people you know who might share your interest great place to test out business concepts you know and and to, to start small and grow very entrepreneurial fundamentally entrepreneurial environment um and other uh, great you know takeaways i think would be really the point about the bear market now is that what you know what we're doing is building deeper utility right so Go to DAP Radar, see these applications, these decentralized applications that you know are building at scale. Check out blockchain gaming as one of the breakout stories of utility uh, versus you know the speculative value of tokens, for example. And that this is the future of this technology is of course people using it. Um, and that as the as we build better and deeper utility, we get stickier communities, more and more co-owners which then I think will be smoothing out some of these cycles that we see, which are a function of the, both the immaturity of the space, but also the fact that so many participants are, are you know, are, feel the need to get in early. Once utility is the reason why you're there, there's no sense of needing to get in early. You're, you're there and you're building a long-term community and position over time. That's incredibly well said. Thank you very much for that, Sarah. I just want to pop back to our friend Luke. Any key to takeaways for you, sir? Uh, yeah, only to add really that, you know, whether you grew up a gamer or not, if, if you did, you'll understand a lot of these uh, dynamics and incentives and what's going on here it won't be completely alien to you. If you're not a gamer, um, you know, it's fascinating what is, what is happening and these numbers are so huge, even in this, this bear market says a lot that people are there and they are playing. Gaming is the biggest entertainment, um, you know, category in the world, bigger than the music and film industry put together. So it's, there's, there's a lot going on here. There's a, there's a whole uh, beginnings of a, a crazy, amazing amazing, uh, fun, crucially ecosystem uh, that's been created. So it's a good time to dive into this stuff. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, uh, Sarah, for coming on. Thanks so much, guys. It was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Sarah. We'll have you back again sometime. That's the end of our show today. Of course, for those of you watching on YouTube, if you're not a Real Vision crypto subscriber yet, don't forget it's completely free. Head to realvision.com forward slash crypto. Subscribe, hit that notification bell here on YouTube for good measure as well. That way you'll always stay up to date with the latest crypto news and analysis. We will be back again tomorrow. Bill Barheit from Abra will join us live. We will be here at noon Eastern, 5 p.m. London time, live on the Crypto Daily Briefing.